So we're coming into this new series, um, talking about deep and wide, and, and the subtitle is kind of a full, a full picture of faith. And what I'm going to really do this morning is kind of give you an overview. We're not, I'm not going to go down into the depths just too much, but kind of set the stage because we're going to unpack this more over the coming weeks. Um, but I just have to tell you, you know, we were working on this and planning and talking about that, and deep and wide was suggested as a possible name, and we're kind of going, oh, no, we can't do deep. Because everybody, what is it you think of when I say deep and wide? Wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And then, you know, you hum the first you know, word, right? Hmm and wide, hmm and wide, there's a fountain flow, right, right? And then you eventually work your way to you're just humming the whole thing. And so we were kind of going, oh, but Don did this really cool thing. He writes a... Uh, some kind of notes to us before all of us who are leading worship uh, that comes to us on Thursday or Friday uh, before the weekend. And in there he said, okay, so, you know, if you hear that title and you immediately start singing that children's song, instead of kind of going, oh, you know, I mean, that's just a kid's song again. I can't get it out of my head. Celebrate that. Because it means one of two things. It means one, someone invested in you when you were young to help raise you up in the faith. Or it means, two, you invested in someone who was young to help them raise them, raise them up in the faith. So if you find yourself singing that, instead of going, oh, it's that kiss song, I can't get it out of my head, just celebrate. Just celebrate. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. It means that God is working on you and through you. As we get started here, I'm going to talk a little bit. I want to frame, kind of set a framework around this, because part of the idea is, is you know, God calls us to be his people. God has call on our lives and and it's we're not supposed to be just like the rest of the world we're supposed to stand out we're supposed to be doing something different so i want to i want to give you some pictures of that going way way back in scripture and going back to a god talking to abram um i will make you into a great nation and i will bless you i will make your name great and you will be a blessing i will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you i will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you God calls us to be a people through whom the whole earth is blessed. And then he speaks uh, to his servant Moses to, to have a word to share with the Israelites. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And, and if you're not making a connection, this, this kind of charge that goes through Moses to, to God's people back in Exodus, Peter picks that up in 1 Peter. You know, once you were no people, but now you are a people. Uh, you know, you're called to be a, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a God's people. I mean, so this kind of pulling this forward goes through all of Scripture. And then, then the prophet Isaiah brings this word from God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has been my strength. He says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to remember, when Jesus gets up the first time in the synagogue in Nazareth, it's the first time he's been invited to speak in the synagogue, he unrolls the scroll, it's the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. 
And Jesus is this kind of special love for the prophet Isaiah that he, he reflects at different times in his ministry. And, and as you read toward the end of that, you know, and I'm going to make a light for the Gentiles and my salvation, I can't help but think that, you know, after the Beatitudes in the, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does that thing about, you know, uh, you know, the light, you know, the light, you don't put the lampstand here and cover it up, but you... You put it up where it's high and it's a shine for, so your light can shine to the whole world. Uh, you know, city set on a hill can't be hid. You're to be the salt of the earth. And this kind of theme, we're, we're, we're to be called. I mean, we're a holy nation. We're, we're a priesthood. We're set aside. We're the ones through whom God blesses the world. We're God's people. And that at one time is very honoring. But I don't know about you, but sometimes it's kind of intimidating, isn't it? So we're going to talk a little bit about how do, how do we live into that? How do we live into that in a way that's faithful to God? Let's pray. Almighty God, we come this morning and we ask your presence to be with us. Uh, open us up to what it is you would say to us and open our hearts to hear and receive. Um, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, there's two images we're going to build off of for the next several weeks. One is uh, Ezekiel's vision uh, of the river of life that comes out of the temple. And the other is John and, and John where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. And I'm going to start with Ezekiel this morning because I suspect for some of you it's a little less familiar image. Uh, it, it's an image about water, and as somebody that grew up on, on the coast, you know, in Texas, you know, water's always been kind of a big thing because, you know, sometimes in Texas we don't have enough. And, 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 and so I started thinking about water images, and I thought, well, you know, I always love to go on Padre and see the sunrise. You know, when we were pre-children, my wife and I, uh, when living in Corpus, you know, one of the things, especially during tourist season, we like to do is we get up early on a Saturday morning, and, and we'd get donuts and chocolate milk. It has to be chocolate milk. Okay, just it has to be, and, and, and we go out to the beach. Yeah, chocolate covered donuts for Cindy, and we'd go out to the beach and and go out where the sun was coming up and and go beach combing and maybe swim a little bit and all that. And then when the tourists start showing up and it starts getting hot and all that, we'd go back in town and shower and stay in the air conditioning like smart people. So that's but you know just the, the sun coming up over over the on the island. Um, and in the summers we uh, oftentimes go up to uh, Concan and spend time on the Frio River. Y'all know why it's called the Frio? Because it's cold, yeah. I mean, it's spring-fed, it's 68 degrees all the time. And, and when it's 102, 68 degrees feels really good. Uh, and so uh, we go up and do that, and that's kind of a regular thing with our family. And many of you have enjoyed water locally. Uh, if you've gone out to the oasis to watch the sunset uh, and seen it go down over the lake there. Uh, I took this a couple of years ago. I was out there for somebody's, uh, a family's 50th wedding anniversary celebration uh, when the lake had water. Uh, and, and took this picture that evening out there watching the sunset. But when Ezekiel is talking about this river he's going to talk about, uh, you really need to have more of this kind of picture in your mind because the, the river goes down to this barren region of the world and, and, and everything is, is dead and barren until you get close to the river where the water is because the water gives life. Now Ezekiel has this vision that he shares with the people of Israel 
during the time of uh, the exile. And so you have to remember that for the Israelites in this time, they're really struggling because God dwells in the temple over here in Jerusalem, but we're over here in Babylon. And so we can't go worship because God's over here and we're over here. And we can't be in the presence of God because God's over here and we're stuck in Babylon. And it's in the midst of that kind of sense of uh, being separated and, and not being in touch with God that Ezekiel brings this vision that God gives him. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water's coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and that's called the golden gate. And the water was trickling from the south side. And as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, about a kilometer, measured off a thousand cubits, and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, about four kilometers out, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one can cross. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Enenglam. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. You have this vision, and, and I want you to be, be really clear. As, as the water flows out from the temple, it becomes wider, and it becomes deeper. There's no other water source flowing into it, no tributary flowing into it. It's just becoming wider and deeper as it goes out until it finally empties into the Dead Sea and transforms the Dead Sea. Now, just a couple of pieces I want to connect for you here. One, this, this image of the tree. Uh, in the Revelation to John, in the 22nd chapter, John has the vision of the new Jerusalem, the holy city coming down from heaven. This is heaven coming down to earth. And in the center of it is the river of life, and around that is the tree of life. And the tree of life bears fruit all the time, and the fruit serves for food, and the leaves of the tree are for healing. So this vision that God gives Ezekiel way back here, is going to come again and be given to John as a picture of the end of time. This vision of, of life that's going to be uh, springing forth. And, and the river, if you're ever in Israel, you know, the, the Sea of Galilee has uh, got a lot of fish and it's fresh water, it's beautiful. And, and then the Jordan River flows down from that and it's fresh and there's lots of fish in it. And then it gets down to the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea has no outlet. 
So the water pours into the Dead Sea, and then it just sits there. And as it evaporates off, what's left in the Dead Sea Basin has become increasingly, increasingly salty and dense with minerals. Matter of fact, the mineral count is so high, the only thing that lives in there is a certain type of brine shrimp. There's no fish or anything else that can live in there. And, and if you ever get a chance to go there and go, actually go out in the water, uh, you'll find that you, you know, you, you'll float very easily because the water is so dense. Matter of fact, some of you know uh, that you know, you're those kind of people when they swim, they're called sinkers. You know, you just kind of tend to go down, you know, if you don't keep yourself moving or something. But, but even if you're a sinker, you're going to float in the Dead Sea because the water's so dense it just holds you up. And it has so much mineral count in it that, that when you get out, you feel like you have uh, oil or, or something on your skin. There's showers along the shore where you can shower off. And in Ezekiel's vision, when this water from the temple flows downstream and hits that, that salty, barren, dead sea, it becomes alive. Because everywhere the river flows, everything will live. J.D. Walt did something some of you read in that daily text here a while back. He was talking about this passage and just had that chant over and over, right? Everywhere the river flows, everything will live. The love of God, the grace of God, the light of God, the life of God flowing out of the temple becomes greater and greater and greater. And everywhere it flows, the river lives. Now, When you think about water, uh, those of us that, that have done some hiking and things, you know that if you're out you know, in, in the country and you're, you're hiking, uh, you, there's rules about where you get water from, right? Uh, you, you take water from places where it's moving and it's flowing and it's clear. Uh, you don't get water out of the standing pools, do you? Those of you that, that grew up on farm property or whatever where they had a stock tank, you remember in the summertime? The water's not flowing because it doesn't rain that much, and so it's just kind of sitting there, and it's nice and warm, and it starts to grow this green, I don't know what it is, scum on top of it, and not only are you not tempted to drink it from that, you know, well, if you drink from that, your, your next couple of days are probably going to be really uncomfortable, you know, because when water becomes stagnant, when it has nowhere to go, when it stops flowing, when it just stands, uh, it becomes a breeding ground for all kinds of nastiness. If you're from Texas, you also know that we have lots of stream beds that don't have a whole lot of water going through them. And when you have these hot, dry summers, what happens to them? They go dry, right? Arroyo secos, the dry runs. Uh, they, they just dry up and go away. And there's nothing there. You know, I, I, I was born in 55, and some of you may know, if you know your history, you know from 49 to 57, was the great Texas drought. Uh, for eight years, uh, the state of Texas exceeded its, its normal temperatures every year. For eight years, the rainfall was 30% or less than normal every year. Uh, rivers ran dry, uh, lakes ran dry, basins ran dry, wells ran dry. And, uh, and my earliest, dimmest memories of life in that time are that grass is brown and the ground has cracks in it. And the first time I remember it raining, everybody ran out onto Poplar Street in Victoria and danced in the rain. And all of us little kids are going, what is this? 
is this, a water falling from the sky? What is this? And everybody was dancing and celebrating. It was years after that before I realized that most of the time when it rains, people don't run out and dance in it. You know, I thought, well, that's just what you did, right? I mean, we understand that water is life. But only if it's deep and only if it's flowing and moving. Only if it's deep and flowing and moving. I mean, um, you know, faith, (laughs) faith that's deep but not wide, not moving, it, it becomes stagnant. And it becomes deadly. And faith that is wide, but not deep, pretty soon dries up and disappears. And you're left in a spiritual desert. It is faith that is deep and wide, both. Where God's love moves through us and it becomes life-giving. Only when, when, our, when our faith is deep and, and wide and moving can we say everywhere the river flows, everything will live. Second image you're going to be hearing about for the next several weeks is that of the vine and the branches. This one probably is very familiar to you uh, from John 15. I'm the true vine, my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. And that word remain can also be abide or dwell. Uh, it, it really kind of give you a sense of what he's saying. You know, dwell, live in me as I live in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Now remember in those scriptures we read at the beginning? Being a light to the world, right? Being a blessing to the world, this holy nation. This is this is when you are bearing, you know, showing, giving God glory, uh, because you're bearing much fruit. This is what they're talking about. But it, but it has to be coming out of this connection, this indwelling of us in God and God in us. You know, a, a branch that bears little fruit uh, gets pruned, right? If it bears a little fruit, it gets pruned, uh, so that it'll produce more fruit. And some of you know that pruning experience. You've had some experience with that in life. Uh, We sometimes call that a learning experience. You know what that means, right? It's awful. You hate it. It's painful and it's uncomfortable, but you grow through it. You grow through it. A branch that just bears no fruit at all, has no wideness at all to it, is cut off. It's pruned off the branch. It's removed. And, and, and that branch, you know, if it's not drawing life from the vine, soon withers and dies. And if we're not drawing life from Jesus, pretty soon we wither and die. And, and a branch that's dwelling in the life that's connected to the, the, the vine draws life from the vine and it flourishes and produces the fruit of the vine. Now, I want, I want to be clear. It produces the fruit of the vine. Not fruit for itself, not fruit of its own, but fruit of the vine. Because when the life of God flows through us, 
then the life of God produces the fruit that God desires. You go deep and you go wide. You're deeply connected into God's life. And then you produce the fruit that goes out to bless the rest of the world. Now, if you've not ever connected all this or, or this kind of idea, you know, having those two together deep and wide, I want to just give you a couple of little passages out of Matthew. And you can see how even in Jesus' teaching and calling, uh, that's reflected. When he calls the disciples in the fourth chapter, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Follow me, you know, follow me, be my disciple. Go deep in Jesus Christ. But then also, and I will send you out to fish for people wideness <laughs> take that love that you've received from christ that grace and and take it out into the world or, or when he's teaching in matthew 22 teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law jesus replies love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself you know love your god with with all you have all you are now go deep Go deep in this love of God, but then love your neighbor. <laughs> Go wide and share that love with the people around you. You know, faith that is deep but not wide becomes stagnant and deadly. And faith that is wide but not deep soon dries up and disappears. It is faith that is deep and wide that is life-giving. Now, I'm going to tell you that most of us, in my experience, tend to want to be one or the other. You know, there's people that, you know, they, they're really deep. They're into all the spiritual practices, and they do all this. They pray, and they read their scripture, and they're really into that. But if you talk to them about going out into the world and taking that love out in the world, you know, they have that wonderful response. We, we love so much around the church, you know, that's not my gift. In the same way, you have people who are, man, they're, they're out there in the world. They're, they're helping get people places to live and, and have enough to eat and get medical care and all those things. They're, they're going wide with the love of God, but they're not really going deep. And, and at some point, they really just kind of lose that connection with God. And if you say, you know, you really need to work on going deep, deeper in your faith with God, they say, oh, that's not my gift. This is not about your gift. This is about your life and the life of people who come in contact with you. Because only when you go deep do you connect with that life of God. And only when you share it do you make room for that love to continue to fill you. Only if it's both of them does the river of God flow through you. And only then can everywhere the river flows everything live over the next couple of weeks we're going to unpack that we're going to go deeper into those different pieces of it or wider into those different pieces of it in some cases and and, and work with this but this is just this is the direction we're going i loved where patrick wherever you ended up the song uh you know do whatever you want to do whatever you want to in me um i hope you'll actually pray that as we go through these next couple of weeks and be open, be open to the depths God wants you to go to 
and to the wideness of God that love wants you to share so that everywhere the river of God's life flows, everything will live. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come and we confess to you that for some of us it's a lot more comfortable to, to just spend time with you and for some of us, it's just a lot more comfortable to be out there doing things for you. And sometimes we miss the connection between the two and the necessity of that so that your life might flow into us and through us to others. So, so come and be in us. Open us up to what you're going to be teaching us the next several weeks so that everywhere your river flows everything will live. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.